The hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Well, thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. I got to tell you, I'm feeling a little bit like Forrest Gump today because I have so much ground to cover. I have about 20 pounds of stuff that I have to fit in a 10-pound bag. I had a couple of email questions. One was on Berkshire Hathaway and one was on General Motors. So, We'll go ahead and we'll answer those. I also want to talk about whether Amazon is really a threat to Federal Express. And of course, I have a stock that I think you might want to take a look at, do your own research on, and see if it's appropriate for you. You never want to buy something just because you heard it on a radio show or heard it on the TV or what have you. You always need to do your own research. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about the markets for a couple of minutes. The risk trade is back on, and the markets seem to be hitting new highs on almost a daily basis. The prospect for tax relief continues to drive the markets higher, and that's what's being priced in. I do think we get something. It's just not this year. I think it's much more likely to come at the beginning of next year. And if that were to materialize, I think it would serve as a catalyst to further fuel the blow-off phase in equities. Right now, stocks are being supported by a three-legged stool. Think about this. One leg, you have solid earnings growth, another low bond yields, and the third leg, depressed volatility. The latter volatility, well, that's a reflection of the current market's expectations that dormant inflation will continue to keep the central bankers relatively constrained. I agree. Economic growth and earnings growth will be positive over the shorter term. I've talked about this on the last podcast. Shorter term, meaning the next six to 12 months, I think things are going to be good. And it's not just the U.S. that's doing well. Global growth is picking up, and that may turn out to be an understatement. The OECD estimates that all 46 economies that it tracks are going to see positive growth this year. That would be the first time since 2007. And that's important. That's important because almost all bull markets are global in nature. Think about it. In 2015, the foreign markets were in a downtrend while the U.S. markets were hitting new highs. What happened? Yes, it led to a correction. So what would up upset the apple cart here? Well, outside of a geopolitical event, I would say it's inflation. The markets are priced for a little change in inflation, even over the long term. But for now, I think inflation is a little further down the road still and something we'll talk about at this year's annual outlook in January. For now, don't go crazy buying stocks. Stay disciplined. I want you to stay disciplined. Stay value-oriented and look for great companies that give you a good margin of safety. Look at the fundamentals of the business and don't try to time the markets. It's a fool's errand, I'll tell you. We'll start to get third quarter's Uh, third quarter earnings announcements from the banks later this week. We have Citibank, JP Morgan coming out on Thursday, Bank of America, uh, PNC, Wells Fargo on Friday. My favorite financial, 
and I don't really consider it a financial because it's such a diversified company, but they slap the label of financial on it. It's Berkshire Hathaway. Goes by symbol BRK. We buy the B share, so it's BRKB. Run by Warren Buffett, the master, the greatest investor of all time. And I tell you, the master is at it again. Last week, they announced they were buying into Pilot Flying J. Try and say that three times real quick. Pilot Flying J, they're an operator of truck stops. And I tell you, if you've never read Berkshire's annual report, you have to. Right after the podcast, go to their website, download it, read it. It's highly recommended. I'll tell you, Berkshire is just a terrific company with an incredible track record. And as much as I love the company, I got to tell you, I'm not a buyer here because it's a little pricey for me at 1.3, 1.4 times book value. And you already know that I'm cheap when it comes to the markets. If you're a new listener, and you aren't that familiar with Berkshire Hathaway, it can be broken down in three parts. You have the insurance operations, which are Geico, General Re, and there's a few more insurance companies in there. Then you have the stock portfolio, the largest holdings that uh, Warren Buffett and Berkshire owns, Wells Fargo, Coca-Cola, IBM, American Express, and U.S. Bancorp, which is another bank I, I love. So you have the insurance operations, the stock portfolio, and then you have the privately owned subsidiaries. They own Dairy Queen, Burlington Northern Railroad, Seas Candy. In all, there's more than 70 businesses that they own outright. Now, the challenges I see it for Berkshire Hathaway, and particularly for Warren Buffett, because he's the chief allocator of capital, the challenge I see is the cash position they have. You might say success has its drawbacks. Berkshire Hathaway has more than $100 billion in cash. That's a one, 11 zeros, and three commas, $100 billion. And they're generating north of $20 billion each year in cash after capital expenditures. And it really could be more depending on how the insurance operations do. They could make even more than that on their float. That's just a huge amount of money that they have to put to work. You can't just leave it sitting in cash getting zero. When he bought PCP, Precision Cast Parts, a little while ago, he admitted that he paid a historically high multiple to put that money to work. He's also bought some businesses that maybe in the past He might not have. So I think that cash is the biggest headwind for Berkshire Hathaway. I also think that Berkshire Hathaway probably has a narrower range of outcomes than most stocks. I'd be some, I got to tell you, I'd be some somewhat surprised to see it produce less than a seven or 8% return on average over the next few years. But It's also very hard for me to see them producing more than 10% per year on average for the next few years. And I tell you, this may shock some people, but for reference, Berkshire has grown nearly 21% per year on average since 1965. Think about that. 21% per year since 1965. If you were an early investor, well, you have a boatload of money now. So, 
This is a company I love, but I think future expectations need to be managed because I do see the $100 billion that they have in the bank and the $20 billion coming in every year as a headwind to producing the outsized return that they've produced in the past. Bottom line is, I think it's a very worthy core holding, but I'm going to have to wait on buying anymore. And if I'm right, and Berkshire returns 7%-ish over the next 10 years, it's going to look pretty good versus the market. I just don't think it's time to buy it now. Listen, we need to step away for a minute, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of my favorite stocks, and I'll also talk about some that I'm not so crazy about. This has been Eric Whiteman, and we are back in a moment. You worked hard. You saved and invested along the way. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off so you can do what matters most to you, whether it's giving back to your community or ensuring a safe, comfortable retirement. It's never too late to start planning. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. If you want someone who can help you navigate the investment landscape, then please visit us at our website, xmlfg.com or call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to today's edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. Don't forget to visit us at our website. It's xmlfg.com. I always say it twice, so it's xmlfg.com. And if you have an, uh, a question for the show, feel free to email us. It's podcast, that's plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. We'll try and answer your questions on the air. I have a couple of uh, questions that were emailed in that we'll answer here in just a couple of minutes. But first, let me spend just a minute or two on the planning side of things. Let's talk about taxes this year and next. As the lawyers are going to tell me to tell you, I'm not a tax advisor, nor am I an accountant. So I don't want you to think that I am. I didn't even spend a night at the Holiday Inn last night. So when the time comes, you need to check with your own advisor on this. But here's something I want you to start thinking about. In the next month or two, we'll know if we're going to get any new tax pass package through Congress this year. If we do, it may alter what you want to do from a capital gains perspective. If rates go down next year, well, you may want to think about taking losses this year because it's at a higher rate. Take losses this year and defer your gains until next year, which may be at a lower rate. Now, it's still too early, but I wanted to put it out there so you're thinking about what you might want to do if we do get some change this year. Remember, consult with your tax advisor. Okay, got an email question asking me my thoughts on General Motors. And I'm going to take that question. I'm going to lump in all the car guys with this. Because if you own Ford, General Motors, Fiat, Chrysler, you know that these stocks have been in fuego since September, since the beginning of September. These, the cars have just been on fire. But I'm not ready to be the dog chasing these cars. If you own them, own them. 
because both GM and Ford, they sell at low multiples. They pay decent dividends. Fiat, which I own, Fiat doesn't really pay anything in the way of dividends, so that's a little bit different. As I said, I'm not going to go chasing because I'm not convinced of their longer-term prospects. These stocks have run up because investors were expecting a huge surge in demand caused by the destruction of all the vehicles from the hurricanes. I believe the initial estimate was uh, that Irma and Harvey destroyed something like 700,000 cars. When the auto sales data for September came out, it confirmed those expectations, and we saw the surge in demand. It was the best month for new car sales since the end of the Great Recession. But I want to point out a couple of things here. Just because a car was destroyed doesn't mean the owner is going to go out and buy a new car. I think the used car market is going to take up a good bit of the slack, the demand here. And you've seen CarMax, symbol KMX, that's gone up since since September too. Secondly, the data is a little bit skewed because there ended up being one less week in August and those numbers were pushed into the September numbers. And lastly, according to J.D. Powers, the manufacturer's incentives reached the highest level ever in an effort to clear out the end of the year model inventory. Basically, prices on new vehicles have been declining. I think demand and pricing are weaker than most people think. And if we're talking about cars, we have to talk about Tesla, symbol TSLA. I got to tell you, what a cool car. What a great car. And the analysts, the analysts are falling all over themselves to see who can justify the highest price target. It's crazy. I think the current winner has a price target of $500 on the stock. Right now, the stock is trading around $350. So that's a 40% upside if they're right. I tell you, yes, Tesla are cool cars. I want one. They do have the first mover advantage in the electric car market. But Ford and Mercedes and practically everybody else is coming up right behind them. When you think about it logically, it's a car basically a commodity. And Tesla is a car company that's not earning any money. Not only are they not earning money, they're constantly in need of going back to the markets and raising more capital. The balance sheet's terrible. And it doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't justify the current price, much less the target price some of these analysts are putting on them. Now, I could certainly be wrong, and the analysts, I'm sure, are going to tell me that I'm wrong and that I just don't understand the company and what's happening. But I don't think I'm getting a deal when I buy the stock. So it's just not my kind of investment. I'd say buy the car, not the stock. Another company that's been in the news, Federal Express, symbol FDX. It's trading around 220, 221 as I speak. UPS and FedEx, well, they got a little shaken up last week because Amazon, the 800-pound gorilla gorilla of retailing, the one that delivers those boxes to your door every week, well, Amazon announced that they were testing their own delivery service from third-party sellers. Now, this shouldn't be news to really anybody. There's some announcements in the past that would allege you to this. I tell you. If the market wants to overreact 
fine. It's fine with me. It gives me the opportunity to buy. If you're a shareholder of FedEx, symbol FDX, here's three reasons why you shouldn't be worried about Amazon. First, the reality is Amazon represents only about 3% of FedEx North American volume, and it's 7% at UPS. That's according to Moody's. That's pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Secondly, that 3% from FedEx, that 3% of North American volume, it's done at extremely low margins. They don't make a lot of money from it. And lastly, I don't think it's realistic that Amazon could replace either FedEx or UPS because those guys, they just have that last mile down pat. Their infrastructure is unmatched. I'd buy the stock under 215 at, well, at least a half a position and then another half under 205. I think FedEx is a very, very good company. I'm looking at a couple of industrial companies that I'd love to own, but I need to have them come back just a bit more before we can buy them. Hopefully, over the next few weeks, we can talk about them, on, talk about them here on the show. But let me give you one last stock that you can do some research on and see if it's appropriate for you. I've talked about it before. It's Synchrony Financial, symbol SFY, trading around $31, paying just under a 2% dividend. Now, this is the former consumer lending arm of General Electric, which has just been annihilated here. But anyhow. uh, S-Y-F, excuse me, I think I said that symbol wrong. It's S-Y-F. S-Y-F has three main businesses. They have the credit card business, the payment solution. They provide consumer financing for bigger ticket items. And then they have the care credit union, which finances health, uh, health procedures. All of them, all three of them, partner with a merchant or a service provider through retailer share agreements to be their exclusive financier. The largest of the three segments is the credit card business. And that's really what I want you to focus on because the credit card business is about 75% of revenues. And they do these private label credit cards for people like Walmart, Lowe's, Amazon, and a number of others. And they've been the credit provider to Lowe's for 38 years. They've been the credit provider to Walmart for 17 years. And they've been the credit provider to Amazon for 10 years. The average length of the relationships at uh, SYF is 19 years. So these retailers don't change vendors at the drop drop of a hat because the switching costs are high. And I tell you, SYF provides significant benefits through their closed loop network. With a private label card, the merchant knows what they sold and who they sold it to. With all the data collected by SYF, the merchant can now do a better one-on-one marketing job to their customers. And I tell you, it's very effective and very valuable to the retailer. The payment solution segment is the one that provides the financing for those big ticket items like cars and furniture. And they generate about 13% of overall revenues. Uh, The care credit is about another 13% of revenues and they do the financing for elective health procedures. I expect these two segments to grow and do well, 
But the focus, as I said, should really be on the card segment. Now, the proverbial fly in the ointment has been the recent credit losses over the last few quarters. At the end of the last quarter, total delinquencies were 4.25% of total receivables. When delinquencies increase, well, they have to set aside more dollars to cover them. So it really acts as a double whammy. That's why the stock sold off from around 38 down to around 27. It's come back here. As I say, it's around $31 now. With the industry as a whole, the industry is expected to grow at a pretty uh, impressive clip over the next few years, and management is taking a more conservative approach to, to the underwriting business so that earnings volatility should be a thing of the past. I think it's a buying opportunity. From a valuation perspective, I expect them to earn about $3.20 next year. So at $31, they're trading about nine times earnings. I think this is a very good business that's going to continue to grow. And at about $31, it's attractively priced for the long-term buyer. I own it. In the short term, you could get another pullback when they announce earnings depending on their credit metrics. So I'd buy half now and see what earnings look like when they come out. I think they come out between the 19th and the 24th, somewhere in that period there. I don't think it's been uh, set in stone yet. And I tell you, SYF, great company. I own it. I think at nine times earnings, it's worth looking at. Do your own research. And I tell you, that's about all the time we have for today. Join us next week for another edition of Common Sense and Investing. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the host and may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.